You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, this is Erin Carey, and welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. I am so excited to introduce you to Dr. Joan Ifland. She is a nutrition researcher and processed food addiction counselor. She is a fellow of the American College of Nutrition, and she holds her PhD in addictive nutrition. Ifland is a graduate of Stanford University and has 20 years experience in the field of food addiction and recovery. The founder of Food Addiction Reset, she is a leading expert in the field, and she's been interviewed by the Oprah Winfrey Network, Fox News, In Shape, Fortune, Prevention, Martha Stewart Weddings, U.S. News, and many more. And now she's here with us, which is great. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for the topic. We're going to do some good work today. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I really want to get into because when you're talking about food addiction, you're not just talking about banana addiction (laughs) or strawberry addiction, right? You're talking about something different. Processed foods. Yeah. Processed foods. That's a totally different thing. It's, it's, yes, it's a totally different thing. Um, Plants have natural endorphins in them. It's pleasant to eat them. Yes. You're getting a little, little buzz. In addition to nutrition, you're getting a little buzz. But when they become processed and those endorphins become concentrated, then they give you too much of a high, a dopamine high, and then you get a crash and then you're craving and you have emotional changes as well. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because this is something that I've been wanting to get into and I've read about on my own, but we've never covered this topic because you hear a lot of people saying, well, you can't be addicted to something that you need for survival, which is true, but what do we actually need for survival? Is it the food that we are eating right now and that we have been eating the last 40 years? No, so that's like saying uh, you have to drink alcohol because we need fluids. <laughs> right. So everybody's used to dividing, they, they've got a clear vision. Uh, this is a, this is an addictive substance and this one is not. That has not happened in processed foods. Everybody knows if you're inhaling and there's cigarette smoke or vaping or marijuana smoke in that air, you're using a drug. And if there's alcohol in your glass versus a glass of water, you're using a drug. If there's heroin in that syringe and it's not a saline syringe, you're using a drug. Everybody knows if you're inhaling through your nose and there's cocaine, you're using a drug. But the the food industry has taken a a strategy from the tobacco industry and hidden, hidden the addictive substance. So this is, now you're getting into a corporate business model. How do you get somebody addicted to something horrible? Well, in the case of cigarettes, they extracted and concentrated nicotine and put the nicotine back into the cigarettes and didn't tell anybody. So then, you know, in the 1950s, you would take an airplane flight and there'd be a little packet of three cigarettes on your tray, your lunch tray, because within three cigarettes, you would become addicted. You'd start craving them. That's exactly what they did with processed foods. They bought 
Kraft, Nabisco, and General Foods, the tobacco industry bought those three huge food processors in the mid-1980s when high fructose corn syrup came on the market and they had a cheap sweetener and they hid it. So they hired a consultant named Howard Moskowitz, PhD, Harvard in experimental psychology of marketing. And he went around and figured out how to reformulate normal products to contain the maximum amount of sugar, fat, salt that he could put in there before the consumer would say, this doesn't taste right. So that's what happened. And when you eat a, or consume in any way, shape or form an addictive substance often enough, you train the brain to erupt with, in this case, it's dopamine and serotonin and endorphins and endocannabinoids and opiate. So all four of the major reward pathways are activated mm -hmm. and there's an emotional consequence. Yes, that, that's huge. This doesn't happen with uh, unprocessed foods. It doesn't happen with broccoli and Brussels sprouts. It doesn't even happen with steak and chicken and fish. It doesn't happen with beans and rice. It doesn't happen with products that still look like they did at the moment of harvest. Those, those are still food. So just like you want to distinguish alcoholic drinks from non-alcoholic drinks, you want to distinguish processed from unprocessed foods. I'm, I'm so glad that you were making this distinction because I think it is confusing. And I, and I think that there is a movement there. There are two different movements, right? Like one, on one hand, we have people that are really trying to do better and they're trying to treat the root of chronic disease through, you know, healthy lifestyle changes. And then on the other hand, we have a movement that all food is fine. Just eat whatever your body knows what to do. Your liver knows how to detoxify. That's what it does. But I mean, I know, I know what high fructose corn syrup does to the liver, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we know that we have a big problem with these processed foods. Yeah. High fructose corn syrup converts to fat two and a half times more readily than sugar. And when Coca-Cola learned this, how did they respond? It was, it was research done inside their corporation. It was reported by Michael Moss in the sugar, fat, salt book, mm -hmm. um, what did they do when they found out that high fructose corn syrup converts to fat two and a half times more readily than sugar? So you could take a teaspoon of sugar, you have X amount of fat, take a teaspoon of high fructose corn syrup and you would have two and a half times the amount of fat. And where does it like to form in the liver? Mm. So this is why we have an epidemic of non-alcoholic fatty liver in children. Yes. Well, if your liver is uh, full of fat, it's not filtering. So no, it's not breaking down those toxic substances. Yeah. So that was the other piece of it. The uh, tobacco company being an addiction cartel itself did not want to get into a business that's controlled by another addiction cartel, i.e. the sugar cartel. So once high fructose corn syrup came on the market, and they didn't have to depend on, you know, it's just like they're, I don't know how many millions of acres in the United States is in corn, but that just, that just burst it open. And you can see high fructose corn syrup came on the market in 1980. 
And you can just see the obesity rates taking off from there. Mm -hmm. And then tobacco comes in to buy those big players five years later and it's, it's over. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. When you think about the connection there and I want to touch more on that before we do, I want to pause and take a second and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by sleep number. My sleep number is 40 and last night my sleep IQ score was 93 and actually I've been hitting in the 90s pretty frequently recently which I am proud of. This is why I choose proven quality sleep from Sleep Number because every great day starts the night before. Knowing more about your sleep helps you achieve your best quality sleep for your overall health and well-being. I talk about this with my clients all the time. We talk about it on the show all the time. Good health begins with good sleep. Good quality sleep is so important, but it's also getting enough sleep. Sleep duration is how long you slept compared to your sleep goal, which should be between seven to nine hours, as recommended by the sleep experts. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed tracks the total time you sleep, and percentage of your sleep that is restful. That's what I love. It can tell me not just when I get into bed and when I get out of bed, but it can tell me how much of that sleep is restful and how much of that is restless. And that has been so helpful for me to improve my sleep goals. And I'm sure it is contributing to my high scores as of late. Did you know that sleepers who routinely use their Sleep Number 360 smart bed features get almost 100 hours more proven quality sleep per year? Just think, what would you do with all of the energy you'd have with 100 more hours of proven quality sleep? I know for me, I would spend that energy with more creative writing, which is something that I'm working on right now. Discover special offers now for a limited time at your local Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com slash wholeness. Sleep Number, proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. Now, Dr. Ifland, you just dropped a bomb about high fructose corn syrup and the connection to the rise in obesity. And I think it's interesting that you mentioned that this all shifted in the 80s. Now, I was born in the 80s and I'm a health coach and I am seeing as a health coach a huge increase in chronic diseases in people my age Mm -hmm. and women younger. And so I think that these shifts in our processed food, it's not just impacting obesity, it's impacting a lot of things. And I'm really starting to get concerned for our younger population. It's, uh, it is this metabolic syndrome, which people know about diabetes, high blood pressure, obesity, high cholesterol. And now increasingly you will see cancer on the list of metabolic syndrome. And they're now calling, um, Alzheimer's, diabetes type three. Mm-hmm. So you have that cluster, but then there are two other clusters that people don't know about. And that is the, uh, I call it DOS, depression, irritability, anxiety, and shame. Mm. That's chemically derived from processed foods, the way processed foods affect the brain. And then there are mental uh, impairments. The um, any addiction will pull the blood supply away from the frontal lobe. So that is where we have the ability to pay attention, learn, make decisions, control impulses, process emotions, and where our memory is lodged. So now you have these epidemics of those problems as well. Yeah, we are in the middle of, I would say, the biggest mental health epidemic that we've 
ever been in and sure some people can blame it on COVID can blame it on, you know, what the last two years have done. And I get that that's valid, but Mm -hmm. I also think things were climbing (laughs) in that direction already. And so would you say that the processed food industry processed foods have contributed to our mental health epidemic? Oh gosh. Yes. It's to me, it's so painfully clear. So I just was looking at some research about the prevalence of um, processed food addiction. And I came across a study involving, I think, over 3,000 people where 44% of Americans ate more during COVID. And the reason why this is so clear, it's such a sharp uh, situation, is that one of the signs of an addiction is that you're using in spite of knowledge of consequences. So now the food industry and the health industry, for particularly pharmaceutical industry, have done a great job of blurring what is a consequence. They will get up and they will tell you that sugar doesn't cause diabetes, which is just a complete lie. But there's still, you ask a tobacco executive, does uh, smoking cause cancer? They say, no, there's not enough evidence. So this is their, this is one of their market deception, deep deception is a, a marketing technique of um, the addiction industries. So there are addiction industries, tobacco, vaping, marijuana now, alcohol, certainly, processed foods. These are industries that use, pharmaceuticals use this addiction business model. That's one of the elements is just hide the true nature of what's going on. So, but during COVID, we heard it over and over and over and over again. You are more likely to die if you have a diet-related condition. Mm -hmm. You are more likely to die if you have a diet-related condition. You are more likely to die if you have, we heard it over, it's clear, Mm -hmm. absolutely crystal clear. And yet in this one survey, 44% of people, not just more, they weren't just eating more, but they were eating the highly processed snack foods more. That's right. Yeah. And then you had many people stuck at home. And so they were ordering out a lot and eating restaurant food. And yeah, it just leads to so many more issues. But I do want to pause right there and take a second and thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Magnesium Breakthrough. The folks at BioOptimizers have done it again. They have just released their new and improved formula for Magnesium Breakthrough, the most powerful magnesium supplement on the market today. And y'all, I have tried a lot of magnesium supplements. This product was already amazing, but BioOptimizers has continued to research and improve it. This new fourth generation formula means Magnesium Breakthrough is now even more potent and effective for reducing stress, improving sleep, and boosting energy levels. Who doesn't need that? right now. If you've already taken Magnesium Breakthrough, you'll want to try the new formula as soon as you can because it now includes cofactors like B6 and manganese that help with the absorption of magnesium. And if you've never tried Magnesium Breakthrough before, now is the perfect time to try it. Here's why. For the deepest healing of many health problems, Dr. Mark Circus says there is going to be only one answer and that answer is magnesium. Why does he say that? Well, two very important reasons. First, magnesium is involved in 80% of the body's metabolic reactions. And second, about 75% of people are not getting enough magnesium. This is a much bigger problem than most people think because when you don't get enough magnesium, you suffer from poor sleep, low energy, and even higher stress levels. 
In every bottle of Magnesium Breakthrough, you'll get seven unique forms of organic full-spectrum magnesium, which can dramatically improve your health. It can help you sleep longer and deeper. Who doesn't want that? Reduce stress levels and help you feel calm and give you abundant all-day energy to win at life. And because it supports mental wellness, Magnesium Breakthrough can help you to finally feel like yourself again. Simply take two capsules before you go to bed and you'll be amazed by the improvements in your mood and energy levels and how much more rested you feel when you wake up. For an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com spark and use spark during checkout to save 10% and get free shipping. That's magbreakthrough.com spark. Use spark during checkout to save 10% and get free shipping. And one last thing, if you want your loved ones to be healthier, consider giving them the gift of magnesium breakthrough for Mother's Day, Father's Day, or even a spring birthday. Okay, Dr. Ifland, we're talking about the pandemic and the increase in eating processed foods and people going to restaurants. And, you know, I do think there were some people who decided to maybe start eating a little healthier or learning to bake or cook new healthy recipes, but it seems like the majority were going for convenience and self-medicating. Yes, these substances are numbing. We do we do have that. They do release more dopamine, uh, serotonin, uh, cannabinoids. That's the mm. same pathway as is activated by cannabis. It's yeah. named after cannabis and the opiate pathways, which are named after opium. So these processed foods activate all four of them because there's so many different processed foods. There's sugars, there's uh, flour and gluten. Mm -hmm. Gluten has a natural occur naturally occurring morphine in it. It's called gluteomorphine. And in American wheat has much higher levels than European or Middle Eastern wheat, for example. Then there's dairy, which has natural casomorphines in it. Dairy is designed to put a 100 pound baby calf to sleep. Right. It's a narcotic. <laughs> they want that, you know, Mother Nature wants that calf to go to sleep and absorb the nutrients that it just got. All breast milk for all mammals has natural morphine in it, small amounts, but enough to put the baby to sleep. You know, I have a little grandchildren and they're just like they'd be nursing and then they would look drunk mm -hmm. and then they would go to sleep so it's like anyway um and then caffeine of course to try to counteract the numbing effects of the processed foods and then food additives um, mm. there's i have one good study showing that the tobacco industry added things to cigarettes, the low tar cigarettes to maintain the addictive impact of the cigarette, wow. a chemical that they added. So product formulation is a big part of the addiction business model. The sad thing is, of course, that addictions are progressive. You do eat more over time. You do drink more over time. And that's happened with processed foods. Yeah, it, and it does feel like kind of an uphill battle right now, because like you said, we have that, we know, we know that these things aren't healthy. Like nobody has to say, well, processed foods, I think they might be healthy for us. I've never heard anyone try to argue that, right? Yeah, like, although the, the industry will put healthy well, things on the worst and the worst. 
And that's tricky. They will say like natural flavors or heart healthy. That's my favorite one. Heart healthy. right? Mm -hmm. Um, And just add vitamin C to a product. Hi, vitamin C. Right. Especially cereals. Can we talk about cereal for a minute? Because I really, you know, I don't want to demonize one thing, but we are starting off most of us with, I have young kids and my kids don't eat cereal currently. Um, but right now (laughs) it took a long time to, you know, change that habit because growing up, that's what I ate. Everybody Mm -hmm. has Mm -hmm. eaten cereal. Mm -hmm. Why did cereal become such a thing? And what is cereal doing to our brains by starting the day with cereal? Yes. So there's a reason why when you go into the grocery store, the cereal aisle is huge. If you eat something addictive earlier, the earlier in the day you eat it, the more it's going to be driving you crazy with cravings, the, the more of the day. So if you eat something really violently addictive for breakfast, which all breakfast foods are violently addictive, you know, except for, again, things that still look like they did at the moment <laughs> of harvest. Um, you're going to be crashing within 20 minutes and the cravings will just take off like a, a train with no brakes going down the side of a mountain and it gets worse and worse and worse through the day. So this is, but you see the progression of this in alcoholism, it's really clear. You are drinking, but you don't start drinking until five o'clock at night. Okay, that's socially acceptable. And then you find that you would really like a drink at lunch. And then the years go by, you're having a kind of a secret drink at lunch. And then you think one morning you wake up, you think, wow, I would love some, why didn't I think of this, some vermouth with breakfast? Doesn't that sound good? So that's the progression. And this is, this is just, the, it's not just the, the breakfast cereals, it's all the baked goods. It's all, you know, you go in somewhere for a cup of coffee and you come out with a cup of coffee and a donut. It's, it's just, diabolical mm-hmm. so we are constantly being manipulated to wake up the addiction stimulate the addiction and lose control it's unbelievably profitable for the food industry the health industry certainly the pharmaceutical industry the diet industry the fashion industry the glamour industry they're all profitably obscenely from this addiction Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And it is, I mean, if you think about, I mean, even look at coffee shops in the morning, you can get your hit of caffeine, you can get your gluteomorphin, you can get your quesomorphin all in one stop, you know? And then like you said, it's just going to drive that to where the end of the day, I know a lot of women who are driven by coffee during the day, coffee and sweets. And then at night they need wine to wind down because Mm -hmm. their brains have just been hijacked and they can't turn it off. And that's a problem. Exactly. Exactly. So this is, what do you do? How do you make this easy? Mm-hmm. Is you treat it like a severe addiction and you treat the trauma along with it. Because mm-hmm. when you've been very sick and people have told you things that aren't true, aren't true about why you're so sick and then blamed you for being sick, uh, that's traumatizing. Plus, with these processed foods create unbelievable, unstable emotions. I got into this field 26 years ago because uh, my raging stopped. Hmm. I mean, like stopped. Like 
I was a rager. I was doing all these things, therapy and women's groups and 12-step groups, everything to get that raging to stop. I had two little girls at home and a husband and I was raging at them. And I did, I was so bad. Like I would stand beside myself and say, please, please, please stop raging. And I would bifurcate. I would just, it was so awful. So um, this is, this is generally unrecognized and I'm really, really glad that we are talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Can we talk a little more about what you mentioned about the, the trauma side of it of, mm-hmm. I think there's almost a gaslighting effect as well, you know, like, oh my gosh, struggling, but. Oh my gosh. So it, I wrote the textbook for the field, CRC press. Uh, I wrote it full time. It just came a point in my life where I had the time for three years, Wow. 2014 to 2017. And I learned two important things. One, it's a severe addiction. There's never been an addiction this severe ever on the planet because it starts at conception. And if the parents are eating processed foods, that very first DNA replication is going to be with a, an addicted profile. The, the addiction genes are turned on. So the baby is born and it's not like a crack baby where they get to go through withdrawal. Mm -mm. They go right into a 52% corn syrup, solid and sugar formula, Mm -hmm. or they start breastfeeding. And if mom is eating sugar, we now have good evidence that it's coming through the breast milk. So every cell in that child's body is developed in an addicted brain. When the, when the tobacco industry came in to process foods, what did they do immediately? They were already in the business of addicting children to sugar with the tobacco industry owned Hawaiian punch hmm. and Kool-Aid and Capri Sun. <laughs> it's like, oh, so gross. And um, it's through messaging. It's Pavlovian conditioning of reward center cells where the message is associated with an addictive substance. So already in 1985, there were 150 cartoon commercials for processed foods per Saturday morning, 150. And Nickelodeon was carrying those to 65 million households. Within, I think, seven years, the number of commercials went to 550 in one Saturday morning. And we know from research that you only have to expose a toddler to a commercial five times before the toddler will choose that product out of, uh, if you give them a lot of choices. And here they are, they're getting 550 per Saturday mornings, one morning, And Nickelodeon is carrying those commercials to 65 million households. Within 10 years, the obesity rate in children has gone up 50%, from 10% to 15%. It's not mysterious. It's very clear to me. It's very clear what happened. So yes, how does the food industry protect that market? And of course, here's the pharmaceutical company growing right along with it. Oh, for sure. Because the only solution for all these myriad and myriad of diet-related diseases 
is a pharmaceutical. Yeah, so they make sure that the doctors don't get any training in uh, food plans or addiction recovery. So gaslighting, yes, you go to the doctor, your blood sugar numbers are getting worse or your blood pressure numbers are getting worse and the doctor blames you. You need to try harder. It's a lifestyle adjustment. That's gaslighting. Hmm. That, that doctor unknowingly, I know my, my own daughter is an MD and, and she gets it. She actually left practicing. She said, mom, I can't help somebody in eight minutes. So she's now a full-time consultant. I'm not going to do it. After 10 years of training, she got it. I mean, she saw what happened in our household. She said, I, these people just need to get all processed foods. So here's the deal. Severe addictions take residential treatment. You look at the research, you say, okay, here's the American Psychiatric Association. They've got 11 criteria, 11 signs, behaviors. And if you are meeting six or more of those, and now this is a sophisticated uh, diagnostic interview, which normally would take 10 years. Ten, sorry, 10, it takes an hour. But we have these 11 criteria on our website, processfoodaddiction.com. You can go and at least see how many signs of addiction are you experiencing. Six or more is an indicator for, if that's the threshold for a severe addiction. And I wrote a full chapter on what is the research showing that this behavior is prevalent in a youth obese people mostly. And uh, I got, I wrote the first chapter and I said, oh yeah, everybody's got this unintended use. But the second chapter, oh yeah, everybody's got this too, failure to cut back. We've got the research on that. It's 100% virtually. Lose the weight and regain it. Mm. Oh, number three, time spent. Well, there's a researcher who actually put um, motion detectors on a, a nice big study of obese people and also had them fill out a, a time journal so we know that they are spending, if they're not at work and they're not taking care of their families, they are either eating or recovering from the effects. They're either sleeping, watching television or, or getting food. I thought, okay, well, everybody's got that. We've got good evidence for that. Number four, cravings. Everybody's got cravings. Number five, um, Inability to fulfill roles. We know that obese people are discriminated against and yet they can't lose the weight. We know that they tend to go into lower paying jobs. They might have to have two or three jobs to make ends meet. So they're, they're having a hard time fulfilling like a job role. And then I got to chapter six, which is relationship problems. There's lots and lots of evidence for relationship problems being associated with obesity. And I remember sitting there in my chair thinking, oh my gosh, most people are walking around with a severe addiction. This is a severe addiction. But when I started writing the textbook, I'd been in the field for, uh, I started out in 1996 
I started immediately trying to persuade other people to give up processed foods totally unsuccessfully. And here I am in the middle of the textbook, probably 2016. So 20 years into this, thought, oh, that's why I can't persuade anybody to give up processed foods. It's a severe addiction. And then in the course of looking at the evidence for the severity, of course, it's just you get one study after another of the trauma that uh, food addicted people have endured. 30% of obese people are being physically abused in their homes. Mm. So um, that's when I just like the light bulb came on. Oh, that's why nothing has worked. And then I thought, what are we going to do? Because we're not going to send a couple of hundred under a million Americans to residential treatment. Uh, and then Zoom came along. <laughs> I turned in the manuscript the middle of 2017 and I got on my first Zoom meeting that December. I said, oh, we could do this over Zoom. And we had our first Zoom week, a whole week. Uh, the first two weeks of January, I did a beta and then I did a, a real one. And it was shocking. Hmm. After 22 years of looking and looking and trying, I tried 14 different things to reliably get people off of processed foods. Everybody was eating clean by the end of the first day. Wow. And it was now I, I didn't know what it was, but now I know it's it's capturing the drive to belong. That is the strongest system in the brain. Because people, you know, Maslow says, oh, no, your, your primary drive is food, water, shelter. No, that's not true. There's a row beneath that on the pyramid. Your primary drive is to belong to the people who are going to get you the food, water, shelter. So these, this is a, they're a very special brain cell called a mirror neuron. And they're scattered all throughout the brain. Every, every, every part of the brain is being driven by these mirror neurons. They're copying what other people are doing. It's the brain's driving you to belong. And how do you belong? How do you get acceptance? It's through uh, doing something similar to what the other people are doing. That's how a tribe, a group of people will decide whether you belong, you're doing the things they're doing. So the food industry uses this mercilessly. You know, the commercials of people sitting on their sofas in the dark. Oh yeah, you belong with us. You're eating that snack food and we're eating that snack food. See, you belong, you belong with us addicted people. Oh my gosh, it's just so diabolical. When you really get into it, it's so, so diabolical. So that's what we do. We broadcast 16 hours a day over Zoom, 16 out of 24 hours. We're all over the world. You know, we have like one, two hour breaks between blocks of broadcasting, but we broadcast over Zoom. And what that means is that whenever somebody has a craving, they can just flip open their screen and get, their, get the recovery part of their brain stimulated the I have control part of your brain stimulated. And that moves the blood supply away from the addicted brain cells over to the I have control brain cells. 
works like a charm. Wow. That is so fascinating. Oh my goodness. I love hearing all of this because I, I love nerdy brain stuff. Number one. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I think it's Yay. Um, and I do know that it is. And I tell this to people when we're under chronic stress of any kind, it's mm. pretty much physiologically impossible to create change, you know, and, and when we're under chronic, that can be addiction. That chronic stress is the addiction, the constant pull by these substances. So yeah, that's amazing that you know that, but, but we have to, and that's where it's like, we have to change the brain in order to make the actual change. And so, so is Pavlovian conditioning, repeat messaging. Wow. Okay. So it's that's the, how you do that. It's the same game that the food industry is pounding us with. Uh, it's, it is th that you need to use the same technique if you're going to get that to stop and reverse. So somebody like you, you're a health coach. You go in and you do the nitty gritty with your members this is what happened. Here are some ideas about how to change it. Very specific things. What we do in partnership with health coaches is we pr provide the surround messaging. Hmm. So we're there. I mean, we have a huge library of videos. When we're not live, our members can go into the videos and, and the same thing will happen is the, the blood flow in the head will move from the addicted brain cells over to the, I have control, I am in recovery. I decide what I'm gonna do, brain cells. It's repeat messaging. You build the, I have control brain cells through repeat messaging. And so when you talk about gaslighting, mm -hmm. people have been told, oh, you should have willpower. No, right. no, <laughs> oh, you need to try it, no. No, I don't need to try. Oh, you're, you're going to not be able to do this until all your childhood issues are resolved. Nope, that's not true either. Once you're off the processed foods, then you can really accelerate working on healing childhood memories. I mean, we were all, I was raised by emotionally unstable people because they were using processed foods. Hmm. Even in the 1950s, even though I was stick thin and my brother and I, my brother and sister and I, we were all stick thin. The household, the behaviors in the household were insane. Yeah. You know, there was the parents were using caffeine and sugar and alcohol and nicotine, and the kids were being given, you know, Velveeta cheese and white <laughs> bread and uh, orange juice and grape juice, and breakfast cereals and lots of milk and ice cream. And there was a dessert made in our house every day. And, there were always, there's always, there wasn't candy in our house, which I find so interesting. Hmm. Um, but everything else was there. And this is the 1950s. Wow. And it wasn't a weight issue. It was a behavior issue. Yeah. And I, and I think that's interesting that you say that because I, we have another interesting thing popping up in our culture. It's processed diet food. We have diet oh God, food yes. that's yes. just as yes. processed. Oh, this, the, the food industry, just like the tobacco industry, has no shame. They can spot a market opportunity from a million miles away. Yep. And so diet foods, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a great market opportunity. They're already addicted. So we're just, it'll be so easy. Mm -hmm. another, another massive form of gaslighting. So the gaslighting in the weight loss industry, it, it's all gaslighting. 
Yeah. If you are in a program that has any kind of weight loss in it, it's not, it's broken. <laughs> because agree. the food seeking part of the brain, it only gets activated when somebody is thinking about their weight. Because for millions of years, if a human was thinking about their weight, it's because they were starving. Yeah. So that food seeking brain associates thinking about weight, worrying about weight with starving and it will wake up. Plus all those plants don't have enough calories in them. So it's got reason to wake up. There's not enough food out there. Now, this is another reason why this is such a wicked addiction is because you've got the classic substance disorders. You've got these hyperactive addicted brain cells in the reward system. You've got hyperactive stress. This is artificial, by the way. You've got nothing going on in the frontal lobe. You have the emotion part of the brain hyperactive. It's the first part of the brain that hyperactivates when you're building an addiction. Now, like no other addiction, you've got, you've woken up the food seeking brain. Mm -hmm. And the food industry has grabbed your belonging network. Right. You know, and recruited it to belonging to the food industry, all those people on TV. And even if you're not watching the commercials, all the programming is unbelievably stressful. Stress activates the addiction. So when your stress goes up, it activates the addicted brain cells because the brain will start to try to compensate for the higher levels of stress. So all of television is a, a weight gain. It's mm -hmm. all a, a just processed food consumption stimulation, all of television, not just the commercials, but the programming as well. Because even the like the the benign looking programming has got people on it that are eating disordered. Hmm. They've had to engage in disordered eating to get those particular body shapes. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so you don't want your mirror neurons. You don't you don't want it, that drive to belong to people. You to belong to a group of people who are um, who have disordered eating. Just so all the disordered eating treatment is also gaslighting. Hmm. They want you to you know, just eat it in moderation. Oh, you've got to right. eat it. You're required to eat this food, even if it makes you sick and gives you craving, you're required to eat it. And walking through childhood issues, I can tell you it's highly stressful. So you're now you're you're activating the stress pathways. I everybody I've ever purchased, yeah. I would leave the therapist's office and go straight to the bakery. Mm. Or I would be driving to the therapist's office planning where I was going to be going after the therapist. So. Yeah, yeah. Or the program's just too inadequate. And, you know, a couple of hours a week of mindfulness is not going to turn around 100 billion brain cells. Yeah, that's such an interesting point. Wow. I, this is, I, I love this because I'm thinking through, so I was just recently telling somebody, um, I've never loved Italian food. Now, maybe if I went to Italy, I would love it there, but anytime growing up, I, I, I was a big, I loved sugar, loved all the processed foods. Right. But growing up, I would always feel very sick after eating Italian food, like mm. sick as in needed a nap, not physically like stomach sick, but needed oh. a nap. My brain felt real groggy and drugged. Mm -hmm. it, and mm -hmm. I finally put it into words. I felt drugged. If mm. I had too much pizza, too much Italian food, whether it's pasta with all the cheese sauces, plus the bread, plus, you know, and 
these days I don't consume things like that. And my brain feels clear. It's amazing. It's interesting. First thing for many people, it will happen in the first four days. Mm -hmm. They think it's because processed foods are inflammatory. Mm. And of course they inflame the brain too. And the brain just like, Ooh, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's why there are 144 diseases associated with processed foods. Wow. It's systemically inflammatory. So anytime a cell gets inflamed, it's going to not work that well. Right. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Oh, this is such good information. So tell me what, what can someone do? Who's listening to this and going, well, gosh, you're talking about me. Where do I start? Where do I begin? Yes. So, um, the, the one place I say, go to processfoodaddiction.com and take the self quiz. It's not a diagnosis. You're just going to see, okay, I have these 12. Uh, I have, I have at least six out of these 11 experiences. I really need to be careful. It's not a diagnosis, um, but I'm experiencing these signs. And then um, you will, you'll be on our email list. So you'll start getting our emails, but uh, if it's okay, I'll talk about our program. Yeah. Okay. So we do really like, we much, uh, we have a deep preference for working with a, a health coach or a dietitian or a nutritionist or a nurse or a doctor, chiropractor, therapist, because you need that individual attention. But uh, what the ARC, the Addiction Reset Community offers is the ease and availability of very, very high level information. And we are totally science-based. I create a new workshop every week on some angle. Like this week, it's going to be on, uh, does everybody have this? Yeah, everybody has this. At this point, just the research is so good. We know how many days it takes for a rat to become addicted to fat mm. or to sugar. Um, okay, so try it out. It's, I'm, if it's okay, uh, I'll mention how much it costs because people think, oh, that couldn't possibly work at that price. <laughs> but we know that you're going to really need this for a very long time. So it's $59 a month. It's not too, it's not any of those really expensive programs. It's $59 a month. So you can afford to do this on top of a, a health coach. And then you will get access to tremendous information, a, a huge library as well as 16 hours out of every 24, really warm, compassionate programming. We got the trauma side of it. Uh, we never tell people what to do. We're always showing people that you're smart. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. these answers will give you some ideas, but then you go away and you ask yourself what would work for you and we'll be waiting right here when you get back and tell us about it. There's no pathway to failure because we have something called totters. Try, observe, talk, tweak, enjoy repeating slowly. Hmm. So you gotta try new things all the time. You're gonna have use of your brain uh, maybe for the first time in your life because these, these 
foods are, you know, they're everywhere. And you'll have a chance to reprogram all those crusty old memories uh, that are holding stories that are not true. It's not true that you're stupid. My parents told me I was stupid. I have a genius level IQ. I just had a, an evaluation because <laughs> I had a concussion. I have a genius level IQ. My parents told me I was stupid, not working up to potential. So um, people just gradually, oh, I'm really smart. Oh, I make really good decisions. Oh, I'm a really nice person. Oh, I'm a kind person. Oh, I know how to take care of myself. Oh, I know how to set boundaries. I know how to enhance another person. Wow, I didn't know that. But those are the kinds of things that we're uncovering 16 hours out of 24. Yeah. <laughs> okay. so, yeah. So that, so I will say, Aaron, after literally we started this in, in 18, so 2018, we've now had the arc for four years. Before that, I didn't have a good answer to what to do. So there are a couple of phases that you have to fight through. One, this is not a weight issue and it's not a childhood issue and it's not an eating disorder. It's like snorting cocaine is not a snorting disorder. Hmm. It's a drug hmm. addiction and this is not your fault. So the step one is to redefine the problem. Hmm. Step two is to understand deeply why nothing else has worked. You have never failed. You were never in a program that was appropriate for recovery from a severe addiction. Step number three is really get a clear picture of what this will do for you personally. And that does in, involve understanding the emotional consequences, depression, irritability, anxiety, shame, the mental consequences, dementia, Alzheimer's, attention deficit, learning disorders, poor decision-making, poor impulse control, memory loss, poor emotional processing, as well as, I will tell you, Erin, I've been in this field for 26 years. If some part of the body is still there, like it hasn't been removed or it's not worn away, I'm lost in an accident, it'll start to work again. Mm. Yeah, so all of these diseases, uh, I, we see them going into remission every day. Mm. Diabetes, high blood pressure, Digestive problems, skin problems, reproductive problems, uh, even vision problems. Visions are affected. Vision is affected by blood pressure. Mm -hmm. uh, it just is endless. And you think that is not possible until you consider the ways in which processed foods stop cells from doing their jobs. Yeah. Yeah. So there. That's, that's, that's what you do. so good. Yeah. So people do, they, they're able, they're free to make choices that they want to make without their brains being hijacked or controlled by the other influences. It's a mechanical issue. You move the blood supply from the addicted brain cells in the reward system to the frontal lobe. The frontal lobe is your friend. The frontal lobe thinks rationally. Mm -hmm. It can analyze. It's only 2% of the brain. Yeah. You can move uh, blood supply there, and you move the move the drive to belong away from the disordered eating culture to the people in you know in your well in the arc 
who are eating well and fighting. It's a building. This is a multi-year building problem. Like that thing about my parents, you know, I, I didn't know I was harboring that. I'm stupid. I need to hide so nobody finds out I'm stupid. I didn't even uncover that until last fall. Mm, I've wow. been in the ark for four years, such a painful realization. And, but when you're in an environment where people are, are just doing this stuff, healing these memories all the time, your subconscious will get used to the safety of pushing things to the surface where you can resolve them. Getting a hold of a food plan and making the lapsing stop. We do have good research from drug and alcohol research showing that it can take five to eight years for the lapsing to stop. Hmm. So that's another kind of gaslighting. Oh, you should have control by now. You've been in here for a week. No, <laughs> no. And this is such a severe addiction and you're in an environment where it's being provoked all the time. We don't it's have acceptable. Yeah. It's normal. It's been normalized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Whew, which we could go <laughs> so much farther into that direction, but we are out of time. I hate that. So I'm going to ask you um, one last question that I love to ask because the name of the show is sparking wholeness. So mm -hmm. if you could give one piece of advice that sparks someone toward wholeness, what would it be? I really think it would be step one is to redefine the problem. Hmm. It's an addiction and it's treatable. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. This is yeah. fascinating. I, I love your information. Now I have your website here, Process Food Addiction. And can you, um, what are some other ways that people can look at what you're doing, your personal website or other social yes. media? Uh, so I'm a speaker and I have a speaker website. It's D-R-J-O-A-N-I-F as in France, L-A-N-D. So Dr. Jonah Fland, D-R Jonah Fland. And I'm just, I'm all laid out there. You can see my publications, my podcasts, my professional presentations. I have gone hard at this for 26 years. And um, because I don't have processed foods in my brain, I'm very productive. I'm 70 years old. Oh, my and, goodness. And I've got a 30-year plan. And I'm going to fill it. I love I know that. I am. Every decade since I started this 20, 26 years ago, I have been healthier at the end of the decade than at the mm. beginning. So when I turned 70, I thought, well, now you're really going to start getting old. And then I was sitting there thinking, you know, I'm healthier now than I was when I was 60. I've had four years of the ARC. Community is very healthy. It's physically healthy. It, it means your blood is moving around your body because you're more relaxed. You're secure. I'm, more, I'm healthier now at age 70 than I was at 60. And ding, the light bulb come on, came on and said, you have every reason to believe that you will be healthier at 80 than you are now <laughs> at 70. As I don't, I mean, I got room to go. I don't exercise enough. And um, yeah, so, and I'm doing breath work. So I've had asthma mm -hmm. my whole life. It's very traumatic upbringing with these unstable adults. Mm -hmm. And now like just last fall, I started breath work, not meditating. My brain goes way too fast for meditation, <laughs> but I can breathe along to a video, a huge impact. Mm. 
So by the time I'm 80, I will have had 10 years of that and 10 more years of the arc and mm -hmm. 10 more years of super clean eating. And yeah. I, I plan on being healthier at 80 than I am today. I love that. I, I feel the exact same way. I turned 40 last year and uh -huh. I'm feeling, I feel better than I did at 20. And a lot of that yeah. is very similar, just clearing, clearing out the mess, clearing out the junk. <laughs> and making room for my brain to do what it needs to do. So I appreciate your message. I think it's so, so important. And Thank there's you. a lot of mixed messaging out there about food and mm -hmm. you are providing the science. You're providing the science and the research and the tools to support the changes that people want to make. So I appreciate you coming on the show and taking the time to I be on. It was a great conversation being here. I just loved this hour and thank you. Thanks for having me. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.